This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Our joy is based on our God and what He's done for us. And that's a joy that the world can't take away. It's a peace that the world can't take away. Aren't you glad that we serve a risen Savior who has defeated and overcome the world and the enemy and anything that can come against you is underneath His feet. So we need to be wise and do things His way. And last week we started talking about living in the last days. I thought it would be just a one-time message and I think I, I stirred up some more questions and I had some young people come to me after service and uh, they asked really the same question I asked years ago. If the, this thing's coming to an end, I need to change some things like, I, want, I was ready to quit my job. So why do I need to work? Things stopping next week, you know. <laughs> and all this was going on in me and thank God I didn't quit my job. I, I did, even though Hal Lindsey and that late great planet Earth had me going. I mean, I, I was everywhere I turned, I was looking for 666. I was looking for the end to come. I may remember that book. Okay, you young people, man. Anyway, there was a lot of things in that book when you look back that really didn't quite fit with some things in Scripture. And when these uh, young people, and I had a couple of adults ask me about last week, do I think the end is now? But the Scripture that I always keep in mind is that this gospel will be preached to all nations, then the end will come. And that nations there means all people groups. And that has not happened. We're about halfway there. It depends on who you look at and listen to. But it's, it's speeding up and we are moving towards that. But the next question is, what about the church? Uh, there's a lot of people saying the church is going to be go down and be destroyed. Christians are getting persecuted in the United States now. And I, I submit to you, are we really? Has anyone lost their life lately because they're a Christian? When I look at other countries, I look at history, it's a different level of persecution. But this is what I said. I believe that our greatest hour for the church is before us. I believe in the glorious church. I believe that his power will flow through his body. That God's grand finale, his, his glory of the latter house of this day will far surpass anything we've seen so far. Many theologians don't agree with that. And I'm going to explain to you why this morning I believe that from Scripture that we have some good, great days, awesome days for the church before us. 
doesn't mean that there's not some awful bad days for the world. I mean, though, we're of a different kingdom if you belong to him. So when you look at the news, and that's what stirred me up uh, last week talking about it, when you look at the news, the, um, the disease that's going around, Ebola, this, this thing that uh, will never come to the United States, no one, I heard someone say, it will never come on this, uh, to the United States. No one will die here of that. It's happened now. They are watching people closely. Someone sneezed on the plane the other day and said he had been infected. They brought the plane down. The guy goes, I'm joking. Don't joke. <laughs> it's no joke. I don't know what happened to him. He's probably in jail somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. But we live in a, a, a day and time that the scriptures talk about, and we need to get this information. We need to uh, be watchful, be prayerful, but not to be fearful. There's many Christians spending thousands upon thousands of dollars now on survival resources. It's, no, it's not scriptural. We don't have to be afraid and go hide in a cave somewhere. How are you going to let your light shine? How are we going to witness to the world if we're hidden up somewhere? Besides, they find that you have food. Where, where do you think they're coming? <laughs> they got food down there. Okay. So we, we talked about the moral decline in which we see, I, I told you about three women I just heard got married, legally married. And the question is, are we in the last days? I told about a dream I had 20 years ago about a clock. It was a huge clock and it showed five minutes to midnight. And uh, some of you uh, tried to figure out and came up, I think, what was that, 2070, <laughs> using mathematical... Um, configurations. <laughs> Here's the thing. No one knows the day or an hour. You know someone sold a book a few years back, sold, made millions of dollars, sold a book that had the date and time. When he missed it, he re-released it the next year and said, I made a mistake. And people bought it. When the scripture says no one knows, even Jesus doesn't know. And I don't think our Father's going to tell you before he tells Jesus. Oh, you don't know about me, Pastor. I'm closer to Father than Jesus. So these are some of the things we talked about last week that people we knew from 2 Peter 3, people will be distracted with life, people will forget God, and people will not be ready. We saw that we need to think clearly, we need to focus on relationships, we need to make a difference, and we need to receive God's grace. One of the things that I mentioned 
it's not so much the day and the time. We need to focus on what are you going to do with the time you have left because you're in your last days. What are you going to do to make a difference? Now, we're to be watchful. We're to be looking. But actually, it should not make a difference to us. We have a mission to accomplish. We're to be about Father's business and making sure we're pleasing Him and spreading good news. But Paul writes to Timothy, I want to look at this because in this, you'll see why I believe that the church's greatest hour is before us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's in your notes, you notice I didn't put any questions this time. Just whatever the Lord ministers to you just right now. The, the reason Paul gave this to Timothy, he was warning, he said, you teach these things to the church because they live in the world. They're not of it, but they live in it. And having to know we can be influenced by this world and we can actually carry it into our lives. And we can have the spirit of this world or the uh, habits and the thinking of this world even in our lives. So he's saying, warn them, teach them, show them where well, they'll be on guard. So if you recognize any of these, these are not to be issues in the church. It's actually what the world will look like, what the world is going to be going through. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But know this, know this, and I'm going to break this down, uh, all these scriptures, uh, quite a bit, but know this is actually saying, recognize and accept this as a fact that you cannot change. When the Bible says this is going to happen, how many know that it's going to happen? It doesn't matter how much prayer that you do, this is going to happen. It will happen. And that's what he's saying here with this term, but know this, recognize that these cannot be changed. In the last days, perilous times will come. Now when you look this up in the Greek, the last day here means the last of the last days. Now if you were here last week, the last days started on the day of Pentecost. Said in the last day, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Well, that happened at the day of Pentecost. The last day started. The question is, are we in the last of the last days? That's the question that's really before us. So it says perilous times will come. And perilous here means dangerous, difficult, hard, high risk times, treacherous times. Perilous times in the last of the last days will be upon this earth. And perilous times, there are times, is the word kairos, or a designated moment in time. And here, a lot of times it'll mean centuries or, or generations. Here it means decades. And it's talking about these perilous times through the decades. Every 10 years, there'll be a measured, it'll be added to. Uh, perilous or dangerous times. It'll be added to. I can remember when our boys, I can remember when I was growing up, 
my parents would not know where I was. I'd be a few miles from the house. I'd show up when it was food, time to eat. But, you know, there was just freedom. You knew there was no, that there was peace. Uh, our boys, they'd play outside and do all kinds of stuff. But I remember when there was a shift, when there was the three who were killed in West Memphis. Anybody remember that? There was a shift and suddenly, where are you going? We had woods by us. They'd go in the woods. Where are you going? And you started keeping tabs. And all the, the, the families did. Things started shifting. Things started changing. Now, you keep tabs on, you want to know where your kids are. Used to be you walked to school. Now there's rides. They're, they're picked up. They're, there's all this uh, security measures. Things have changed. Why? From decade to decade, there's been more danger and more danger. Are we to be fearful? No. Because he's our security. He's our protection. And we keep our focus and keep our eyes on him. But it's just stating that this will happen in the last days. We're not going to have a decade where, well, you know, we used to have terrors. We used to have disease. Now we don't. It's gone. It's all been cured. Oh, this is wonderful. We're not, we're not going back. This is, this is going to happen because the word says it will. In verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Now the word says we're to love ourselves, but this is an abnormal Love for self. This is where we get the me generation or selfishness. This is talking about uh, a preoccupation with self. That self is it. And it goes back to secular humanism. It, it goes to the really the worship of man. And when you look at their, um, their beliefs... They're actually setting up man to be God. And that is the ultimate of self. That the creation has made itself the creator. And of course we know that's, that's a lie. That's what the world, that's what will happen in the last of the last days. That will be there. We're to have good respect for ourselves, take care of ourselves. But these people... This, this type of love for self is committed to only one, themselves. That, how many of her looking out for number one? I mean, that's it. One, self, me, is it. And we know that, of course, in the church, God's family, we're to look out for each other. We're to be there for each other. We're to serve each other. We're to serve the world. It's the opposite of what's happening in the world. We consider the privilege and honor to serve the Lord. Lovers of money, abnormal love for money, a desire for money. And what it is, it speaks of materialism. Give me some stuff, I want more stuff, and I want it now. <laughs> no patience, I mean, I want this now. And I want some stuff, and more, and more. It's materialism. And there are the world is, is called up in the materialism, just wanting more and more. And flesh 
always wants more and never gets satisfied. And that's what it is. It's just this desire for more. It's interesting. Um, I just heard on the news, I had talked about that the rich, the more money you have, the less that you give, usually by you know, average. It said they, uh, the rich have just gotten richer, by the way, but they're giving less than they were before. Isn't that interesting? Of course, we want to prosper, but we have a, another cause. It's not just where I can have 15 homes. It's not just where I can lavish it on myself. Yes, we're to enjoy life. But what can you do to bless someone else? What can you do to be a blessing to someone? I had a, a person tell me one time, Pastor, uh, when are you going to teach on that giving stuff? I, I'm not going to be around. So why? I've got everything I need. I said, well, you're pretty selfish. Because I know a lot of people that could use some help. Maybe you need to prosper for his cause. And think about what you could do to help people and be a blessing. So it's, there's the other side of that too. Boasters. Boasters are those who brag to exaggerate to a point of lying. <laughs> and this is all to gain self-exaltation. You know, the Bible says we're to humble ourselves and let him exalt us, but this is talking about exalting ourselves. And we probably all have done this somewhere, <laughs> boasted some. Yeah, I did 360, dunked the basketball back in my... Never mind. Two-foot goal. No morals is what it talks about. Telling the truth doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anything to gain advantage. I'll boast, I'll lie to gain advantage. To get. I, I'll make a sale. I'll say this product will do this when it won't do half of what I say. But I have no morals and I don't care because you're paying me. I love me, and I love money. I need some stuff. Uh, it'll break down a few months anyway. You'll forget about it. I told you it was a guarantee, but you'll never send it in. <laughs> Situational ethics is what this talks about, really. What's best for me is what I'm going to do. I don't care how it affects anyone else. I don't care if it's a lie. That's what I'm going to do. This, this is interesting. How many have heard evangelistically speaking? Raise your hand. You just heard it because I just said it. Okay. <laughs> it's where the truth is, is stretched. I heard this report, and it was about this island. I forgot the name of it, but... It was talking about the evangelists that have gone there and the people had been one to the Lord. There was one problem. The people that had been one to the Lord were more than the population of the island. Somebody, 
messed up. Whoops. Uh, let's change that number. <laughs> this was a, a news thing, and, and people, it doesn't look as good to gain the advantage if the numbers are lower. But everybody on that island got saved. And even some that were about to be born, they didn't know it. <laughs> Proud. This is another thing in the last, last days. The spirit of being superior. Better than everyone else. Pride, we know, we know about pride. And this is a pride that puts a person in a place of judgment where they start judging other people. How many know that if you never walked in their shoes, we, we have no place to judge anyway, anybody, because he took our judgment, we stand before him, and we can't afford to judge anyone. But when you throw, throw out morals and create your own morals, you make yourself God. See, when it's all about you, and you love yourself, and there is no morals, you can judge, because you're making the morals yourself. Blasphemers. Uh, those that throw out ethics, holiness, standards. And these are really people that come up, become upset with standards. They become abusive. Uh, they, they, they speak, and they uh, abuse people. Because they don't like standards. You, ever, you maybe have met someone. Maybe just your presence. You hadn't done anything. But because you're there, and you have standards, it makes them feel uncomfortable. You ever had that? You're not uncomfortable now. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not uncomfortable, are you? <laughs> okay. This is the standard of these people. I will do what I want to do, whatever makes me the most comfortable and profits me, that's what I'm going to do. That's blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, this means children out of control. And it talks about children you cannot persuade, unpersuadable, out of control children. That's a mark of the last of the last days. You know, 20 years ago... Uh, the, the problems in school were cheating, uh, being late, and, and smoking in the bathroom. Now they got security guards checking you for guns and knives and drugs. Things have changed. And, and last week we looked at the generations and you see why. It's because the percentage of those walking with God have become so small, have, have declined in the United States. And what do we have? We have kids who are watching TV, and what's on TV? No standards, no morals. I, I looked it up. They said the average kid, 8 to 18, watches four hours of TV and two hours of video games and computers a day. It said, this is outside of their schoolwork being on computer. No wonder 
What kind of message are they getting? Oh, pastor, you, you just don't understand. They took prayer out of school. Did they take prayer out of your home? You can make a difference. You're not going to get the, they're not going to get the answers at school. That's the reason there is no sexual purity anymore. It's because, look at TV, look at movies. They said that you can look at the state of a nation by what they laugh at. And when you look at our comedians, it's just, it's filthy. A child goes to the, to the office and they give them condoms. You're not going to get morals. You're not going to get sexual purity from the world. I was listening, I uh, heard Dave Ramsey for just a few moments the other day. I was driving and uh, he had a guest on. I didn't catch the guest name. But he travels all over the United States. And he said he's seen such, a, um, such an issue that he said uh, we're declining in the United States rapidly. And Dave Ramsey said, well, what do you see? And he, he said the, the problem is parenting. And Dave Ramsey said, you're saying that's the number one issue in the United States? He said, yes, parenting. He said, kids are out of control. They, they are given no responsibility, no decision making. They cannot fail. They're bailed out. They're not taught this. They're not disciplined. And he said, it's, it's going to be the decline of this nation. How interesting that this man that travels all around would say the number one problem is parenting. Next is unthankful. Unthankful. I, I think that's, that's easy to see. A generation that loses thankfulness. And it's not about thankfulness to God, but just being thankful. A lot of people just expect things just, and won't even be thankful about it. We're to be thankful to God. We're to be thankful that we're alive, that you have breath, that you're breathing. You're to be thankful before God. But it says in the last of the last days, there won't, there won't be any thankfulness to God. They'll forget God that he's the creator. He'll be forgotten. When you stop looking to God, you start looking to yourself. You start looking to yourself. Next is unholy. This means lewd, uh, nasty, dirty, profane. That's what it means. A person who loses their thankfulness and recognizing God will have a life that starts to turn and be unholy. The two go together. I believe the number one thing that a Christian can do, the backslide, is stop being thankful. They lose their thankfulness and all of a sudden... They become resentful. They start becoming bitter. They start moving away from God. Thankfulness. Just giving Him praise. Giving Him worship. Next is unloving. Unloving. 
And, and this here, um, in the King James, it says about natural affection. And what this is talking about, about natural love for your family. It's saying when um, you, a mom and dad do not have love for their, their son, their, their daughter. When you don't have uh, love for your mom, dad. When you don't have love for your aunt, uncle, grandparents, this, even the natural love for family begins to dissipate, and you don't have that, that love. That's, that's the kind of love that's talking about here. Then it says unforgiving, and this is because you have no love even for your natural uh, family. There is, no, uh, there is no commitment to each other. There is no uh, promise. There is, that's the reason you have so much divorce. There's no strong commitment to each other, a husband and a wife. Commitment is gone. Promise is gone. And that's what will happen in the last of the last days. In fact, the Greek word here, unforgiving, is uh, irreconcilable differences. Uh, it, it actually means divorce, it means separation, it means division, it means breaking a promise. It talks about even those that will make a promise quickly with no intention of fulfilling that promise. That's what we're talking about here. Unforgiving. Next is slanders. The Greek word here is, uh, means the devil. And it talks about the accuser. And some about false accusation. Some about there will be people in the last of the last days, and this is supposed to be the world, not the church, that will make false accusations and you'll feel like it's the devil. <laughs> it will be people so developed in the art of accusation and slander that you'll think the devil himself has come against you. It will be false accusation. It will be character assassination. That's what you'll find in the world. I may have seen that. You know what I'm talking about. The devil's out to destroy people and their reputation. A people found self-control. Here it talks about appetites and passions out of control. And especially talks about powers out of control. It's really talking about authority out of control. It can talk about the government out of control. It can mean financial uh, institutions out of control. Power, authority out of control. That's what's going to happen in the last of the last days. How many think we might be in the last of the last days? Some uncontrollable appetites. That's what the world's going to have. It says the word brutal. Uh, in the, the King James it says fierce. But it means untamable. It's saying you can't tame it. You can't bring it back into control. It reaches a point that there's nothing that can be done. And that's what this word is talking about. It's the opposite of gentleness. It means savage. It means wild. Hard to deal with. Angry people. So far out of control they cannot be tamed. You think, well, why pray if this is going to happen? Well, we pray because we've been commanded to, but it makes a difference. 
And we can delay things. We're to pray. Because prayer is powerful. Despisers of what is good. They hate what is good. They detest it. They have an aversion to good. They actually have an emotional response or uh, inside to what is good. And it's bad. <laughs> they think it is bad. They hate good. Despising what is good. That's going to be the last of the last days. It's where bad is looked at as good. It also speaks of a country that has no laws for good people. It seems like the good people have become behind and the, the criminals win. It's like a person, uh, I saw this um, thing, this woman was raped and they were giving more attention and regard to the criminal than they were the victim. I said, something's wrong with this picture. Next is, as traitors will break an oath to make a gain. They'll betray to divide. They're untrustworthy. Headstrong. This is temporal-minded people who don't think long-term. The world will just think short-term. They're inconsiderate. They don't care what affects anybody or anything. They live in the now. They're going for the gusto now, and nothing else matters. That's what this is talking about. Headstrong. They're reckless. They make hasty decisions. They don't think things through. They don't care how it affects other people. Headstrong people. The Bible says we're to pray. We're to seek Him before you make the decisions. Haughty. This is an evil arrogance and pride. People who are full in themselves. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, the Greek word is for a society that delights in excessive luxury and pleasure. In the last of the last days, going to be people who delight in excessive luxury and pleasure. In fact, it alludes here when you look at it that it has become their God. Pleasure has become their God. Their philosophy is spend a lot, live a lot, waste a lot. Nothing matters except the moment we're in right now. They know God's alive, but they don't take him seriously. What is serious is their life right now. And that's what they live for, those, those pleasures. Verse 5 through 9 here is, is together. I'm going to say, having a form of godliness, denying its power, from such people turn away. And this is denying the power of godliness or the power of God to live a godly lifestyle and profit from it. It's saying that there's no profit in living godly. There's no profit in living God's way. That's really what this is saying. Saying having a form of godliness but denying its power from such turn away. You could say it like this. Saying it doesn't pay to serve God. I used to think this was believers who didn't believe in miracles. To restart staying out in the Greek, I thought, well, 
There's a lot of people that deny the power of God, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about those that are actually looking to another source. They're looking to another source, and I'll get into that in just a moment. For this sort are those who creep in the households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. I studied this years ago in the King James, and it says silly women. It used to tickle me. Huh? <laughs> but this isn't an attack against women, per se. Because what it is, women are more spiritually sensitive. But what happens here, they don't have their foundation. If you don't have your foundation and you're spiritually sensitive, you'll fall for anything that comes. I've actually had dreams of women listening to, to someone who was, I, I can't go into all the detail, it was really, um, ugh, it was really difficult to even think about but what this guy was doing, but everyone was sitting around listening to him, and he was preaching the Bible. That's what got me, he's preaching the Bible. I'll just say this, you a little bit of a picture. He had his pants down. He's preaching the Bible, and all these women are being attached to him spiritually. Mm. We've got to have our foundation. It's so important to have our foundation nailed down in our lives. Number seven, always learning, never able to come to knowledge of the truth. It's void of life, so they're always just going around in circles. Always something else you have to do. You, you never uh, are worthy quite. You've got to do this step, this step, this step to receive. So they're always learning, but never receive. And then number eight, now as Janies and Jamborees resisted Moses, so do these also resist the, the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. Now, Jannies and, and Jambres were the sorcerers that resisted Moses. And if you remember that, we'll, and we'll talk about some next, next week, but they are the ones that came against Moses and they could match some of the miracles that Moses did. And what he's saying here, it's saying, even as it was then, it will be in the last of the last days that there will be sorcerers who will rise up who will do miracles, signs, and wonders. And you've got to have your foundation set or you'll not recognize it because they'll be camouflaged. Do you know that New Agers are talking about their healings and they're talking about fasting and meditation and meeting your guardian angel now? That you can get your channel and get your spirit guide, your private demon, get your spirit guide and you can go request to meet your guardian angel and your guardian angel will come and you can meet him. They're using Christian terms to pull people in. I looked at, when I was researching this, I looked at the testimonies and people were going, my life has been changed. 
I know my guardian angel now, and God bless you. Thank you. Or I received healing now. Thank you. People being deceived. But see, it excites me, because what this is talking about, there will be, in the last of the last days, there will be a revival of the occult. And it will be as it was when the two sorcerers came against Moses. Now here's the good thing. God showed out. And they came to a point they could match God. It means that we're going to have power flowing out of us that we've been believing for and looking for. We're going to be that glorious church. And we're going to show who is the true and the living God because we're going to be rooted and grounded in truth and God's word will prevail and it's full of life. It's full of the life of God and those that will listen and hearken to his voice will be saved and delivered and set free. And we, the church, will be his instruments. Now, I had a dream that the enemy was going about prowling around this earth and he was destroying lives left and right. But the glorious church, the church was rising up. And I saw from heaven gold, liquid gold, fall on the houses of the Lord all across the world. And... They were coming to themselves. It was like they were waking up to what they had and who they were. They were coming alive. And then I saw the enemy being pressured. Every place he went, there was Christians taking authority over him until he had no place to go. And then I saw from heaven an angel come and take the enemy captive. I hope this isn't freaking anybody out. <laughs> you know I have dreams. And I asked the Lord if I could share this. And he, he took the enemy and he was bound for a thousand years. I've been having dreams about the millennium. About these animals. We had a line on our doorstep. Ellen was in heaven. <laughs> you talking about animals. Pet lines. It's funny. I looked into the lion's eyes. It looked like my dog Charlie's eyes. <laughs> we have... Nothing to fear. It's going to be a great and glorious day for the church. Because we're going to be salt and light. We're going to show people the way. We're going to tell people truth. We're going to walk in love. And God's going to protect us. And we're going to walk with Him. And we're going to see the fulfillment of everything that we've been believing for. In that dream... I said, Lord, where's the spirit-filled church? Because I saw all the other denominations. So where's the spirit-filled church? 
So I didn't see it. And then he said, if the spirit-filled church will repent and humble themselves, they'll get it too. Say, Lord, I humble my repent. It, it was like the spirit-filled church had gotten prideful. And we need to humble ourselves and walk in love. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We'll continue. Next week, I'll, um, I'll go into more about this sorcery, but we have a lot of great things. And when you read a little bit more down, Paul says what to do. He says, continue in the Word. Continue in, in your purpose and in, in living for Him. And then he talks about all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The scripture will bring you to a place of being fully furnished, but the scripture will help you recognize the false, that you can know the real. It'll be invaluable in these last days because the arise of the occult, of sorcery and witchcraft. It's not going to be called that. It's going to be called something different. The New Agers all call themselves spiritualists. They even talk about Christ. They talk about a Christ consciousness. They, they will say, God is in you. The Christ consciousness is here. But then when you read a little more, it says that you are God. And you're the creator. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, this is in your Bible. You said to, to warn, to, to teach, that we would be watchful, prayerful, that we would see and know the signs of the time. And Lord, we are mindful and we are watchful. If there's anyone here that's never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's the most important decision that you can make in your life. Maybe you say, I've been playing games, no more games. Maybe you say, I want to live for Him. I can't do it. Well, you're right. You can't do it on your own. It takes His grace. It takes His Holy Spirit to do that. But His Holy Spirit is here. And you can be empowered to do that. All he needs is your decision to say yes to him. To say yes to him. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come down. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me and we'll pray together. And Jesus will be the Lord of your life. And he wants you to live for him and to serve him everything that is within you. Because even that's the scriptures say, it says he'll get worse and worse. The days will be full of evil. You need to be safely in the hands of Jesus. You need his lordship. Whoever you worship, you become one with. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. And I want Jesus 
to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Be, to, be the center of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Going to the cross. Taking my sins. I receive your love. I receive the gift of salvation. I declare that you're my Lord and my Savior. I'll live for you and I'll serve you. With your help and your strength. Holy Spirit, fill me now with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.